Well, the scripture reading today comes from the book of Habakkuk. I should have given you the heads up earlier uh, so you could find Habakkuk, but I uh, forgot to do that. So hopefully you can flip to it quickly uh, in your paper Bible or your electronic version, whatever you may have, but you'll definitely want to follow along as we walk through this together. So the scripture reading is going to come from Habakkuk chapter 1, and we're going to read all the way down to verse 1 in chapter 2. Verse 1 begins by saying, The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed. And justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swift to devour. They all come for violence. All their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment. And you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and are silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, uh, we're going to be in Habakkuk for the next uh, few weeks. And I've entitled this sermon, The Prayer Everyone Prays. Uh, because the book of Habakkuk begins with a prayer. And it's a prayer that every Christian uh, will pray or has prayed. Uh, it's a prayer that is born out of difficulty, tragedy, disappointment, frustration, or some type of suffering. It's a prayer of confusion, uh, a prayer of great emotion. It's a prayer that asks why. And in chapter 1, 
we have this prayer of Habakkuk that we've all prayed. And the book of Habakkuk is like a prayer journal. It's like Habakkuk's private prayer journal gone public. And so as we walk through this chapter, chapter 1, into chapter 2, I want us to first look at this prayer that Habakkuk prays. And then I want us to look at God's response to that prayer. And then finally, let's look at Habakkuk's response to God's response, okay? So let's first look at Habakkuk's Habakkuk's prayer. So what has prompted this prayer? Look with me again at verses 2 through 4, and let's see if we can find out. Here's what Habakkuk prays. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? So this prayer is prompted uh, by some difficulty, it seems, because he's crying out for help, which implies there must be some difficulty that Habakkuk is experiencing. And then he continues and he says, or cry to you violence and you will not save. So there's this escalating violence in the community and God seems to be absent. Verse 3, he says, Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? You think about your car idling. You know, your car idles when it's not going anywhere. There's no movement. And so Habakkuk is saying, you know, the people around me are doing great evil. And yet you, God, are idle. Why aren't you at work? Why aren't you doing something? He continues and he says, Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. People are divided. They're fighting. Verse 4 says, So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Which is a powerful, it's a powerful imagery here. The law is paralyzed. Which means it's not accomplishing its purpose. It's not being used. And since the law is paralyzed, justice is unable to go forth. In fact, he says justice is perverted or crooked. It's not the way it ought to be. And so what prompts Habakkuk to pray this prayer to God is a complete breakdown, a major breakdown in the community. So here's the question, though. Which community is Habakkuk talking about here? Well, he's talking about his community. And what you need to understand, his community was the kingdom of Judah. So he's talking about, in our day, we'd be talking about the church. And so he's talking about God's people. Now, just a little bit of context here. Many of you may know that after King Solomon died, uh, the kingdom of God's people was actually divided into two kingdoms. You had the northern kingdom, which is referred to as Israel. And then you have the southern kingdom, which is referred to as Judah. Now, the northern kingdom was eventually overthrown and taken exile by the Assyrians in the 8th century B.C. Uh, But the southern kingdom of Judah uh, continued to remain somewhat intact thanks to uh, a a righteous king named Josiah. However, Josiah died in battle around 609 B.C. And once Josiah died, uh, the community in Judah began to disintegrate. You know, the people and the leaders in the community began to worship other gods. And we all know that once you begin to build your life on something other than God, everything begins to unravel. And this is what prompts Habakkuk to pray. He's asking God, God, why are you allowing this to happen? I mean, shouldn't you be doing something here about these people rebelling against you? 
And I wonder, have you ever prayed a prayer like that where something's happened and you pray that prayer that Habakkuk prayed? You know, oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? In other words, God, what, what are you doing? Why is this happening? Where are you? You know, some of you have even prayed a prayer like that, maybe even this week, wondering, okay, God, what are you doing? What, what's going on? How are you working in this situation? But like the title of the sermon suggests, either you have prayed this prayer or you will pray this prayer. I mean, it's just a matter of time. Uh, we all pray this prayer because life is not like simple addition, you know, where you have A plus B equals C and you're given A and B. You know, it's just not that simple. Uh, if it was that simple, Habakkuk wouldn't be praying this prayer. Life is more like uh, those math word problems that you're given. And you get, you're given all this information and then you're told to solve the equation. And as you're working through it, you realize, you know what, I'm missing some information. You ever try to do one of those math problems? It's like your teacher's trying to trick you. It's like you get all, the, all these numbers... You're plugging them into the equation and you realize, okay, I don't have all the information I need to solve this equation. I'm missing some information. And usually when we're prompted to pray, to pray a prayer like Habakkuk, one of the pieces of information that we're missing is knowing, God, what are you doing now? Like, what are you doing in this situation? How are you using this situation? You know, oftentimes we're missing that information and so we're having a hard time solving the equation And so Habakkuk didn't understand what God was doing, and so it prompted him to pray. And when you and I pray this type of prayer, you know, we may or may not get the information that we desire. But what's unique about the book of Habakkuk is that he prayed this prayer, and he received an answer from God. But here's what's interesting about God's response your God responds to his prayer, but he actually makes the equation even more complicated by his answer. So let's look at what God says to Habakkuk in verse 5. God says, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. You're like, okay, so far so good. You know, you've probably heard this passage quoted before. And you may have heard it quoted in the context of, your God is at work in your days. He, he's doing wonderful things. He is going to work for your blessings. It's going to be fantastic. Well, he continues and he says this. God says, for behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Another word, which is another word for the Babylonians. That bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. And so the life equation that Habakkuk is trying to solve just got very complicated. Because Habakkuk is asking God, okay God, why are you allowing your people to rebel against you the way they are? Why aren't you doing something about it? Well then God responds and says, actually I am doing something. Here's what I'm doing. I'm raising up a pagan violent, prideful nation that will actually serve as my hand of discipline on Judah. And so (laughs) the, the equation just got very complicated. 
And so what we see here is this truth that God is at work in both the blessing and the cursing. God is at work in the good and also in in the bad. Uh, You know, when you say God is sovereign, have you ever said that? God is sovereign. Or you've said something like, you know, God is on his throne. Or maybe you've said something like this. Your God is in control. When you, when you say that, which the Bible clearly affirms, uh, then you have to put this truth that Habakkuk had to wrestle with, you have to put this truth in your theology. Uh, but it's not an easy truth to incorporate into your theology, uh, which is why Habakkuk responds to God's response in verses 12 through 17. And this is what he says. His response is you know, pretty much like our response would be uh, when difficulty in our lives prompts us to pray those why questions to God, where are you God, those types of prayers. And basically in summary, Habakkuk says, okay God, if you are holy, and he actually says you are holy, God you are holy, uh, you are uh, eternal, you are pure, so how in the world... Can you use a nation like Babylon as your instrument of discipline? How is that possible? How can you use such an evil nation for your purposes? And this difficult truth actually affirms what God told Habakkuk back in verse 5. Remember what he said? He said, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. Now listen to what he says. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. So God's telling Habakkuk, you know, he is at work. But even if he were to tell Habakkuk what he's doing, Habakkuk still wouldn't grasp what's happening. He still would not believe it. He still would have a hard time incorporating that truth into his theology. And what I'm trying to communicate here to you is that, you know, there are, there are truths about life and about God that are difficult to reconcile. However, that does not mean they are in, irreconcilable. It just means, like I mentioned earlier, we're just missing some information. You know, we're trying to solve the equation, but we just don't have all the information to plug into it. You, you may have heard this illustration before, but... You know, imagine that you are an ant, okay? And you are, you are walking along uh, the Mona Lisa painting. What do you see? Well, one, I don't know how much color ants see. I mean, I'm not sure about all that. But let's just assume that ants can see color. And uh, so they're walk- he's, you know, the ant's walking along. The ants, you know, see, okay, there's some te- different textures here on this canvas. Uh, different colors, different lines going this way, that way. Uh, but the problem is the ant, even though it has all this true information, doesn't know what is actually underneath it. I mean, the ant can't see the big picture. It, the ant lacks perspective to see actually what is unfolding underneath him as he walks along. And I believe that is what's causing Habakkuk such... Uh, turmoil here is he's trying to reconcile the character of God with the presence of evil 
And not only that, but how God can use evil for His purposes, these evil people like nations, like Babylon. All this is coming together. He's not grasping how all this fits together. But He is often like this, and, and we are as well, that we're walking along, gaining true information about God, about life, but we fail to see what's actually transpiring specifically. We don't have all the information. And you know, the reality is, uh, for the most part, uh, we will not have all the information that we desire on this side of heaven. I mean, there's always going to be those unknowns. There's always going to be that tension where you see the, the sovereignty and the character of God like one uh, rail of a train uh, track, and then you have you know, the presence of evil and our responsibility, our choices like the other rail of the train, rack, train track, and, it, and they're just going along throughout human history. And if you look down the road, you see them coming together, but how that works uh, is somewhat puzzling. It was puzzling for Habakkuk, and if you've prayed this prayer, then it's been puzzling for you as well. So, if we can't have all the information to plug in the equation to get the solution that we desire, what should we do in the midst of this? Uh, When faced with difficulty that prompts us to pray to God and say, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry to you for help and you will not hear? What should we do in those situations? Well, in verse 1 of chapter 2, I do believe Habakkuk models for us uh, a wise way forward. Look at how he responds. He says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. So simply put, he, he chose to watch and wait. Okay? Habakkuk chose to, after hearing God's response, he chose to watch and to wait. So the first thing we can learn from this posture of watching and waiting is that our answers to our prayers may not be immediate. You know, we may not get all the information we want immediately. And there may be some uh, aspects of the answer to our prayer that we may never know or never receive until we go to be with the Lord. So we may have to wait some time before we see how God is going to work out an issue in our lives. You know, Isaiah 40 verse 31 says this, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And Habakkuk experienced this, and you all experienced this if you've prayed a prayer like this. You know, relief and understanding often does not come quickly. But, like Isaiah says, we can experience a strengthening as we wait on the Lord, which enables us to persevere through whatever we may be going through. A second truth that we can learn is that there are times when we need to get alone with God. You know, the testimony of Habakkuk all throughout this book is a, is a testimony of solitary prayer and interaction with God. You know, in the Scripture we're told that you know, there should be times when we gather together as believers to pray, and we do that on Wednesday nights. We gather together, we pray. We do that on Sunday mornings in Sunday school. We do it here where we pray together. Um, but we also read that there should be times of solitary prayer. 
Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, he says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So, you know, if you're going through a difficult time and you're facing one of these situations where you're crying out to the Lord, a prayer like Habakkuk's, uh, then I want to encourage you to spend some time alone with God in prayer. And follow Habakkuk's example and be honest with God about how you're feeling. Uh, Be honest with God about what you think he should do in this situation. Uh, Be honest about what you don't understand about the situation. And be honest about what you want God to do. You'll pull away and spend some time in prayer to the Lord as you continue to watch and wait. You know, third truth is to, is to put yourself in a position uh, to hear from God. You know, verse 5, God told Habakkuk to look. He says, look among the nations. And so Habakkuk, you know, I guess Habakkuk took him literally and said, okay, you know what, I'm going to look. I'm going to go to the highest point, and I'm going to keep looking. And so Habakkuk positions himself on the highest point that he could find, I guess, and uh, Notice in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me. So he's watching for a word from the Lord. He's looking for what God wanted to tell him. Now you may say, well, Ron, are you saying that we need to climb to the highest point in Augusta and watch for a word from the Lord? Which I'm not real sure where that would be. Maybe on top of the old Port Royal place maybe i don't know anyway you can look into that but i'm not saying that you don't have to do that don't you don't have to climb to the highest point uh, to watch for the a word from the lord um but what i am saying is that we do need to position ourselves to hear from god and so how do we do that how do we position ourselves to hear from god well the writer of hebrews says it this way in hebrews 1 verses 1 and 2 He says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Habakkuk is a prophet. God spoke to him that way. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. You know, if you and I want a word from God, we must first be in a relationship with God. And the only way for, for you and me to have a, a personal, right relationship with God is by believing in Jesus Christ. That is what opens up the communication lines between us and God. It's through Jesus that we have access to God in prayer. It's through Jesus that we have God's Spirit working within us to help us understand spiritual things. And it's through faith in Christ that we are positioned to hear And receive God's word. So if you're a Christian. How do we hear a word from God? I'm going to tell you how. If you want to hear a word from God. Read the Bible. When you read the Bible. You are hearing the word of God. The Bible is God's word to us. And as you read and seek to understand the Bible. You will add information That you can plug into the equation of life. Information about who God is, His character. How He's worked in the past. How He's working now. What He will do. 
what he's done for us in Christ. So even though, you know, there will always be some of that misinformation, I mean, missing information that we would love to have so we could plug into our equation so we could bring it to a nice resolution. Uh, there will always be pieces of missing information, but the Bible will clarify for you the character of God, who he is, what he's done for us in Christ and what he will do on a grand scale. Which will help you to trust him. Even in those dark times. When you don't know what he's doing. So when life, life doesn't make sense. And you're prompted to pray like Habakkuk. You know oh Lord. How long shall I cry for help. And you will not hear. What should you do? I think you should watch. And wait. You know, the resolution may not be immediate. Uh, but spend some time alone with God and position yourself to hear a word from the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we uh, so identify with Habakkuk. How many times have we prayed this prayer? Wanting to know what you're doing, specifically in our circumstance. But Lord, we are thankful that you have given us your word that speaks to us truth about who you are, who we are, what we need, what you're doing, what you have done, what you will do, which enables us to trust you even in the dark times where we don't know what's going on. God, I pray you would just continue to minister to us today. Help us to get some time with you this week. Help us to be uh, students of your word, help us to open your word to listen and seek understanding, asking that you would teach us, give us a more accurate view of who you are and who we are in Christ and in what you're calling us to be and to do in this world. Lord, we thank you for this week. We thank you for how you're working. Uh, Lord, we think about even our country and uh, the results of all the elections that went on all around our country. Lord, even though we may not understand all the ins and outs, Lord, we know that you're in control. You are sovereign. And we're thankful that we can serve you and trust you, even though we may not know how you're specifically working out details. We trust your character, Lord. And now we pray that you would help us to be the people you want us to be as you do your work. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.